Hello and welcome to the Six Cells podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Cells. Today I'm going to be speaking to Tom Sweeney, who is the VP of Influencer Marketing at Brain Labs. Tom, how are you? Great, thank you. Nice and uh, nice and warm now. Nice and warm now, freezing cold outside, nice and warm now. I feel that I always talk about the weather. It's so British, isn't it? Look, at the beginning of a podcast, we end up talking about the weather. It's such a British thing to do. <laughs> Great icebreaker. I bet our American listeners are going, oh, here they go again. And the next thing you're going to say is that you've got a cup of tea, which you have, because Skip, the American in the office uh, here at Leeds Gal, very kindly made you a cup of tea, which is not so bad, you said. Not so bad. For, which is for an American cup of tea. So. Stand by fake praise there, really, yeah. isn't it? But it's good. It's right. Indeed. So we've done weather, we've done tea. So let's talk about um, influencer marketing. So interestingly for me, I'm, I'm, I I am genuinely really, really interested in influencer marketing. I think it's a, a fascinating space. But I found out who Tom Sweeney was um, via LinkedIn um, and via you basically being an influencer for Brain Labs. Um, and that's uh, to paint the paint the picture and the, and the scene for the listener. Um, I was scrolling LinkedIn and I saw a big video of your beautiful face, Tom. Uh, and it was a Brain Labs post actually, rather than a personal post, which is which is why I thought it was unique because a lot of company pages tend to be quite static brand mm. related graphs and pictures and stuff. And this was very what I, what we call at Six. I was very people shaped. It was like a big video of you, and then you clicked on it, and then you gave um, your your inf- your your, um, your thoughts and views on influencer and SEO, which we're going to get into later. I know, but um, I thought that was a, that was really good. And 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 at Six Hours, we work with loads of people that are executives within a business, but they probably never thought of themselves as influencers, but they technically are, and they're probably the best influencers for a B two B brand, the people that work in it every day, right? So yeah, I think so. I think well, hopefully, number one, the video wasn't too zoomed in on my <laughs> face, and beautiful is uh, maybe a mischaracterization, but um, I think. Uh, yeah, like advocacy within like businesses is actually really important, and I've been like lucky enough to like basically get in front of my marketing team and say, "Hey, I want to talk about some things," and they're they're really excited and embrace that. Yeah. So we are quite privileged at Brain Labs to have the support of our marketing team because I know there are plenty of companies out there who just do the here's our company line and we don't vary from it, and yeah. this is a faceless brand. Um, so it's quite nice to be able to kind of speak different in a different way to to our kind of peers and potential customers as brain labs which is nice yeah no i I absolutely love it and we spend a lot of our time trying to convince people that if you're in a um, an ad tech business or um, uh, you know whether it be an ssp a dsp or whatever or you're a publisher the way to communicate the most effectively to um, the buy side of the industry is through your people because it's Mm -hmm. a very relationship-led business you know people like people when people go on social media whether that be linkedin or tiktok people are the people are the content essentially and the brands are the advertising and we know that content gets a lot more attention than um than uh, advertising does which is kind of why influencer is well one of the reasons that influencers taken off so much right because uh, if, if you've got somebody uh, doing a, a 60 second piece of content and you're involved in that from second one to second 60 that's a very different experience to a display ad which might get one second of a glance totally. you know so so yeah it's, it's really interesting what you guys are doing and I have um, tapped up is it Rebecca I think that works in your comms yeah, team yeah. To, to go and talk to her and maybe even have her on the podcast to talk to her she's um, amazing about, yeah well I, I, I told her as much um, based on what <laughs> I could see uh, on the outside of LinkedIn great so back to influencer marketing so um, what would you say are the specific traits or attributes that marketers are identifying that um, that make them want to get involved in influencer marketing in the first instance it's a great question, and I think from uh, influence is one of those kind of verticals that I suppose has evolved quite in quite a significant way. We've had 
uh, a bit of an evolution in our space where influencer was treated just as like a brand or PR play historically. And I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing at the time. It was in its infancy. It was people just kind of thinking it can't be a bad thing that someone's saying a positive message about my brand. And they were right. But increasingly what the, the direction of travel especially when there are like budget pressures, when there's performance pressure, is that people are now looking at influencer as something that can deliver like tangible business results. And you only have to look at what's gone on on social and the brands that have come from the likes of TikTok and um, Instagram and those who have kind of had this explosive growth to see that there is a genuine commercial benefit to doing influencer. I always point at the likes of the ordinary or the inky list from the beauty space there are fashion brands there are kind of like specific products out there that have just completely blown up because of social mm. and the the prime drink for example that yeah, basically a, came from two social influencers right completely yeah. it's a brilliant example mm. and there are so many cases where influencer has actually driven a business from zero to being one of the biggest in the industry and one of the biggest players and i think that means that marketers from more established brands or those who haven't necessarily seen historical success from social or potentially built their businesses on a more traditional route um they're now turning to that and saying hey these guys are coming for our lunch and we want to make sure that we're competing with that and one winning more market share back but also protecting what we currently have and i think that to me is like really interesting from an influencer point of view because I always point to the TikTok made me buy it hashtag as a, just a great example where we're talking six, seven billion views mm. on that hashtag and people are creating millions and millions of videos. And if that isn't a case study for TikTok literally makes people buy things, it drives genuine action, then I don't know what is. Like there are, yeah. this can have a huge, like really meaningful impact on your business. And it's not just a top of funnel awareness play anymore. This is something that can drive full funnel impact. So I love influence marketing. And I would say that as someone whose job it is to preach about it and to really sell it into our clients. But I only do that because I think it's actually one of the most effective channels. And yeah. I think this is the year maybe that we see it becoming more of a lead channel rather than something that's just kind of bolted onto a campaign, which maybe a couple of years ago that was the case. Mm. And we're seeing an evolution and a shift now, which is exciting. I think oh, we're not here to talk about TikTok specifically, but obviously it's a big part of the influencer scene. Um, I think what they've done so incredibly well is th they they say to, to brands, don't they? They say, don't make ads, make TikToks. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so they create pieces of what we would maybe traditionally call advertising, but they create them with a presenter or a, a talent, whatever you want to call them, or an influencer front and center. And it, it feels so native to the experience of scrolling for bits of ent entertainment that it does get your attention and hold it if it's if it's relevant to you. Hmm. Um, that's the same with the content, of course. Sometimes you scroll past a bit of content because you think this isn't for me. I mean, I'm, I don't f find myself necessarily responding to ads all that much, which is, Ironic, I suppose, having spent 30 years in advertising, but but I do, I have bought and do find myself brought into things in TikTok because I think that they've beautifully, um, seamlessly integrated advertising into the content, mm -hmm. so you can't discernibly tell. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not um, sneaky. It says at the bottom that it's an ad, but in, when you're scrolling and scrolling, and got my 19-year-old daughter Charlotte off to uh, off camera here on, on the left, and I know you spend a lot of time on TikTok, um, it, that you don't immediately notice it as an ad. It doesn't break mm. the it doesn't break the scroll. It doesn't sort of take you away. And I think the the thing, and I would say that again, you, you saying you would say that because you're you, you know you're making a living out of influence 
course of marketing. Everything we do at Six Sales is around people-shaped marketing, but I think the fact that it's a person doing something silly that leads towards, not, yeah. not always silly, but you know, like doing something entertaining, let's say, um, that leads towards the brand really sort of helps sort of bring people in and it's um and it's something that i think a lot of um a, a lot of other platforms could probably learn a lot from um yeah yeah gary v love him or hate him talks about the tiktok tiktokification of social media at the moment where you got youtube shorts basically doing an almost identical mm-hmm. um, version of it but 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 youtube shorts for me and this is again not to big up we're not sponsored by or TikTok or anything like that, but but I think YouTube Shorts is a whole mishmash of anything, whereas TikTok feels a lot more like one platform doing one thing and the advertising is very integrated into it. I think that's down to the refinement of the algorithm, right? So the the setup and the if you if if I talk about the Brain Labs creds for a second in terms of influencer, yeah. One of the the big setup pieces that we always talk about is how social media has evolved from an algorithm point of view where everyone's feed used to be quite homogenous on Facebook or Instagram in that it would be pictures of your like friend's cat, some brand that you followed and an influencer that you particularly liked. And those things have completely shifted away from just based on who you've chosen to follow because the the algorithms which are now powered by AI are so sophisticated in that they understand who you are and what you want to consume more so than probably you would identify Mm. and so advertising is now more sophisticated in Mm. terms of its targeting because it's not just based on um you know the likes of us putting in as marketers putting in i want to reach this age bracket in this postcode this frequency we actually trust ai and the ad products that the platform serve tiktok instagram or otherwise we trust those a lot more because actually they have the data on what this person is likely to want to consume. Mm. And we know that an ad that is served based on like attention and based on someone's potential interest is much more effective. Yeah. So the, the reason that you've seen it change and the reason that like shorts are kind of moving towards like what TikTok has become is because TikTok's just very good at understanding consumer actual like interests psychologically and it feels like it learns almost immediately as well so um with with algorithms it would learn over time what you like and then it would serve you stuff over time or at least that's what it felt like but if you get down uh, um i I was looking at some sort of conspiracy video (laughs) um conspiracy theory video on there and i I spent uh, i don't know how long 30 seconds maybe listening to it and i scrolled on then the next video was for somebody else talking about that and then the next one so it's almost like it learns oh you spent 30 seconds on that i'm going to give you loads more on that immediately so it's like the algorithm's almost in real time updating itself based on what you spend your attention on right the heuristic is i'm so look i'm not a, a techie person but like i i've spent so much time on these social platforms that i kind of i've tried to do my best to understand them the interesting thing to me is like the heuristic on TikTok, the thing it trains itself on and that it's constantly serving you with is like twofold. It knows about you as this kind of big person with all of these big interests. And then it also knows what you're paying attention attention to in that precise moment. Yeah. And it's constantly testing you. Mm. So in, like Charlotte's over there, she spends loads of time on TikTok, so do I. And I guarantee you, 
we have both seen videos randomly pop up on our feed which have got like three likes from some random person that we've never had an interest in they're doing a weird thing and sometimes we watch it and sometimes we scroll past that is tiktok testing one that piece of content to mm -hmm. see who is going to be a match for it and two testing us to see if we are going to respond to that content yeah and it knows what's out of character so Typically, if you're spending 10 seconds watching most videos, but you stuck on that conspiracy for 30 seconds, mm -hmm. then you are three times more likely to enjoy that versus something you yeah. typically spend 10 seconds on. And the whole algorithm is designed to capture and retain your interest. So you spend more of your time on the platform and ultimately so it can serve you more ads. Yeah. And that's what Instagram's doing now. It's what I spend so much time on Instagram Reels because it's like, and all of mine are, basically just people having accidents or getting severely injured it's like you've been framed but um slightly more like offensive mm. um and i think that th like instagram really knows what i like now um and tiktok knows another part of me because i go on those apps for completely different things yeah um and i think that's a really interesting like way of thinking about these platforms is you don't go on instagram for the same thing you go on tiktok for as much as i think they would like us to do mm. everything together we, we actually go for different reasons um and, and is I, it ranking influencers in the same way is it testing you for influencers so at the top level male or female do they tend to respond to male or female influencers young or old education or entertainment like is is all of that stuff being ranked so you you get a so they have a picture of the type of influencer that you're mo most likely to respond to versus me versus charlotte i think there are certain characteristics that it it understands and it's actually I don't think it's looking at the influencer and what they look like or what they sound like or where they're from I think it looks at people who are similar to me what did they like what did they consume and would they consume someone else the f increasingly we are seeing an influencers following as in people who actively follow that creator means much less and instead, what it's about is, are they creating content that's going to retain me? And so what we're seeing is influencers are now much more consistent with the types of Because a video can fly even if you've got no followers, yeah, right? completely. Based on just somebody picks it up and they like it. And then so it shows it to somebody else and they like it. And so it sort of got, it can fly. You see yeah. certain accounts of like 70 followers with this like million view video. And it, one, it's impossible to predict those things happening. But what it shows is if there is a really cool piece of content that people are consuming, then it will fly. And mm. it's, it is just a case of, you know, creating cool stuff. And yeah. that um, that create TikToks, not ads, is so applicable, not just to TikTok, but to every platform. And it would be create Instagram posts, not ads. It, it's just do something that feels natural, that mm. actually educates, entertains, or inspires. And that is the thing that's gonna actually make a difference. The reason we use influencer is not because we want to get access to their following anymore, although that does matter because it's almost a, a ready-made um, like target audience and we know that those people have self-selected. So we can say this person creates content that resonates with these types of people. And that's almost what I look for when I'm recommending influencers to clients is they've successfully captured this beauty audience, this fashion audience, this sports audience. What I don't necessarily care about is making sure I reach every single one of their following but I'm looking for that consistency and TikTok or Instagram or YouTube will sort who they think is gonna to respond to that piece of content. So I'm looking for consistency, I'm looking for like a thematic and values fit, mm -hmm. and then that leads to hopefully success for the campaign. And crucially, like we 
are always trying to find influencers who we think are likely to grow or to succeed in the long term more so than we're looking for someone who's just like already made it and is kind of stagnating because it means that the inventory is cheaper for our clients and we can do more cool stuff mm. and the more content you have on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube the more likely it is that you're going to have one of those breakout successes that million view video on the 70 follower yeah. channel right and ultimately this is not about influencer at its core this is about creative effectiveness mm. and we're in this phase of marketing now where i don't think actually we need to be very clever i think we need to be very creative and the reason i say that is because increasingly the the ad products that we buy or the the inventory that we're purchasing from the platforms is genuine generally now becoming more powered by ai distribution because like cookies are going away um we know that the like there's a lot of data privacy stuff and so the platforms don't want to hand data back to you so they you have to now trust them to go and serve the within their own internal systems and internal data that they're going to serve it to the right people because they have a vested interest in your success so you spend more money on the platform right yeah so it's an ecosystem it's symbiotic and it has to work now if you imagine everyone's now buying on a level playing field so it's not like you can buy ads that are more sophisticated than i can buy ads because we're buying from the same robot the only thing we can control is the creative that we put in yeah and the best people in the world for that creative are not uh, massive agencies with slick cameras and like a cool creative director that wears a beanie hat what we're actually looking for now is the thing that people want to consume which is a great content creator creating great content at the right time in the right place yeah and influencers are literally professional content creators that's all we're looking for and, and that's you're, you're on camera now and you're on, you're on an iphone 14 pro max with a yeah. with, with a little mic and that's the best you possibly need right you don't yeah. need the camera crew with 10 people and like a lighting guy and a boom exactly. guy yeah, anymore yeah. you just need you need an iphone it's in your pocket it's um yeah it's these staggering mi these microphones are props now because like we don't care really about the audio quality because yeah. everything else look every everything else captures us just fine yeah. and this is just to make us look cool don't let robin hear you say that these are just props <laughs> <laughs> you might not get another cup of tea um so you you mentioned earlier about um influencer marketing cu coming from perhaps a, a time where brands understood that it's quite cool if people say quite cool things about our products mm. and it's now there's an actual business result that's measured if we take the most simple of um funnels and let's take ada so attention interest desire action how much when you're working with marketers and brands on influencer marketing, how much are they thinking about it at the top of that funnel versus the bottom? And, and what does that look like? Increasingly, it's splitting across the funnel quite equally. Right. Um, and the brands that are most sophisticated in, in influencer know where their weaknesses are, and they will brief us to build a campaign that addresses that weakness. So if you're a huge legacy brand, you have enormous awareness. And so the only thing that you need to really solve in that point is the consideration or mental availability because you know you have a successful product that sells in retail you know you have awareness where people know of your brand and know of your product and the only thing missing is that linking part in the middle that goes and inspires desire or you know the actual front of mind attention okay and those things are very kind of that's where most of our focus is with influencer now is less so about pure awareness and actually t how do we go from a big awareness campaign into something more meaningful that drives tangible business results 
but we also know from more sophisticated modeling and correlation analysis that even if you're doing an awareness campaign provided the content's good and it gets people to actually engage with it you will see a massive halo effect on your brand and that is a massive driver of purchase intent so we know that there's a really strong correlation in things like the fmcg category from just having seen an ad and engaged with it like a piece of influencer content and mental availability and there is an incredibly strong correlation between mental availability and purchase and the data shows that if you can just do cool stuff at the top of the funnel when the person then goes into the corner shop or goes into the supermarket and they see the drink on the shelf they go oh yeah i'm, I'm sure i was thinking about that recently and mm -hmm. it's all just about reminding people that it exists but there are some brands who want real like bottom funnel conversion and influencer works for them too it really depends on the model that you use, the types of creators that you're selecting. And the Zoe are doing, I've, I, I seem to see a lot of this, this Zoe patch, which I think I, I haven't actually watched enough of it to know exactly what it does. Some sort of health mm -hmm. tech. And, and Stephen Bartlett and um, Davina McCall and various other influencers seem to be doing a lot around that at the moment. So that seems very much like buy it now type advertising yeah, yeah. rather than just know that this is a thing. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's a really interesting um, way of working. It's not necessarily um, the influencer posts themselves that are driving that result. I think it's combining the influencer posts themselves for the awareness and engagement with the ads that they're running. So they will take that influencer content and turn it into a paid social ad yeah. or you know put it into a into your feed in a, like a slightly less organic way just to keep that front of mind until you basically crumble and buy the product. Yeah. And we know that there is a huge benefit to using influencer assets as um, kind of the creative in your paid social campaigns and beyond. So I think there's an enormous halo effect there. Okay. Um, I was so excited to get started on this conversation that I missed the first question that I need. I, I ask every guest, and, and that's who are Brain Labs and what do you do? You ask every guest who Brain Labs are? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> you'd, you'd think I'd ask about their company, but uh, yeah. like, I'm just obsessed. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. So Brain Labs is um, it's a bit of a... a um, it's quite a unique company, actually, because it's a like founder CEO. It's privately held, so it's not a big hold co. And we we really created it as a high performance media agency. Okay. So it's about blending um, performance naturally, but really leaning into media more holistically. And it's very digital first, so it's like pretty much a digital agency. But we do everything now. Um, and it's come together based on this idea that if you can fuse great tech and talent, you will be a basically be able to, you know, build something really clever. And then Brain Labs as a name is um, very deliberate, shall we say. The brain is the tech and talent, but the labs bit is about testing and it's about fusing those three things. So the labs element is um, all about taking every potential test iteration optimization that you can on the creative or, or the media everything placement, on everything, everything. Right. so we have this amazing piece of technology called um hippocampus which is the memory center of the brain yeah. everything in brain labs is a brain pun by the way right um so the hippocampus is really clever because it should be gray really shouldn't it yeah yeah <laughs> um and the um the hippocampus tool is a log of every single marketing test we've ever run as a business and there are genuinely thousands and thousands and thousands of experiments what that means is when you have a question 
for, oh, should I be running ads on this platform or that platform? Should I be using this type of creative or that type of creative? Which call to action works best? We've probably already run the test. And so every client benefits from a backlog of their own testing that we work with them for, but also the learnings of the whole agency. So there is a what we call the brain labs effect, which is an enormous performance improvement when you kind of start working with us. And Brain Labs acquired Fanbytes, which was uh, the company I used to work for and now work for Brain Labs. Um, they acquired us on the basis that they didn't have an influencer offering before and they could see that influencer was the future of kind of creative within this space. And they predicted that ultimately we were gonna have to, we were gonna have less advantage as a, an industry, as marketers, mm. just based on smart media buying and planning. And instead, we would need to be more effective creatively. Yeah. And so it's really a match made in heaven where most influencer agencies are still doing the kind of ethereal, floaty, oh, this would be nice and here's a cool idea and we hope it works. And actually, now we have the power of the tech and the, the thinking, the brain labs and their approach in order to improve performance of campaigns. So I, re I really love it. I, th I would say that again, but I do genuinely love it because it takes my background, which is pure creative and it's taught me a lot about the data side of things and the way that the platforms and the tech works. And I feel like we're a lot smarter than the rest of the industry and we're building things that are gonna be relevant, not just today, but in a year, two years, three years. Um, and that's a really hard thing to do in digital because everything's moving so quickly. Mm. We just, you have to find yourself an agency that moves quicker and I think we're that. Excellent. Um, you, you've mentioned creative a few times and, and I think uh, in general, across digital, creative is a problem. I don't think the quality of creative is is um, given enough consideration. Um, that's my personal view. I think, especially as programmatic became very big, like 15, 16 years ago, how long of ago it was now, it was more about finding the right person mm. than it was about what we do when we find that person. Like it was yeah, quite yeah. appalling, static <laughs> images that were sort of slightly out of focus and just, just generally bad. So so I'm interested though, what does creative mean um, when you're VP of influencer? Is How much of the creative process is managed by the influencer themselves and how much is influenced by you as the agency and how much is influenced by the marketer at the brand and how does that work? Because for an influencer to influence, um, they have mm -hmm. to be authentic to their what they've built, right? They, to their yeah. audience, they have to be able to come across as they always have done, always will do, hopefully. Um, but but the brand will need certain things out of that as well. And and of course, you being the experts in the middle of those two things, kind of have to kind of somehow pull that together. But what does that look like from you know starting? Let's just make it a fairly easy one: an awareness campaign. How would that sort of all come together? It depends on the attitude of the brand, naturally. Um, but we always try and give as much control to the creator as we possibly can. And the reason for that is not because they're picky or difficult to work with, but it's because otherwise what are we paying them for? Mm. We as marketers have this kind of uh, vision of what our brand should be talking like, but it isn't branded content. That's not what this is. Mm. If you want to make stuff for your brand and speak as your brand, then we there are plenty of ways to do that. Like you have your own social feeds, you have your branded content. But what we know is when we trust influencers to make their own thing based on a set of kind of do's and don'ts, a framework, a, a, a genuinely good brief, um, then the performance improvement is enormous. Mm. We, I think uh, in some, on average, in some of our testing, we've seen a 32% increase in the click-through rate, but on 
influencer content versus typical branded content. Now, if that doesn't tell you all you need to know, when if you do a successful influencer campaign, the content will produce better results than what you think as a marketer is the best ever branded content asset. I don't think that's a, a coincidence and it's very consistent across all of our clients. The, the difference is enormous. You see double the engagement on a influencer post versus a branded asset. It's really simple and it's because those content creators, the influencers that we're choosing to work with, we do the, the brand safety checking, we do the we make sure that they're a match for values and all of the different guidelines and that they have a consistency in their content that means they're going to be good for reaching the audience. There's no there's no reason as a brand not to trust that creator and work with them. And it's not like they just randomly post stuff. Like they work with you and they want it to succeed with their audience because they have a vested interest in preserving their own personal brand. And they also have a vested interest in it working for you as a brand because hopefully you'll spend with them again. Mm. So it's every again, it's one of those ecosystems where everyone is pulling in the same direction. It's really important that we select the right creators, but the more a brand trusts them, generally, the more effective that campaign is going to be. And I think it's a really good space to be. Okay. You mentioned double the engagement there. That was my sort of beautifully leads on to my next question I suppose we know that people pay a lot more attention to people than they do to brands which is why influencer is taking off so much because influencers are of course people mm. um, do you have um, any case studies or data on how a personality led campaign let's say or an influencer campaign as, as we would call it so a person leading a, a campaign um, how that's outperformed a straight brand asset-led campaign let's say so like a tv ad or or some sort of other brand um communications um ha have you seen that it's um um what's the word i'm looking for like a higher R roi um more engagement is there any sort of tangible stats that you can put around how an influencer campaign can uh, stack up against the other sort of marcoms opportunities that you have as a brand yeah there's so many there are so many great case studies in fact i think um as i say the average of for our clients is 32 percent or roughly there thereabouts in terms of the click-through rate increasing in terms of roas we've seen like 20 to 30 percent greater roas on influencer powered campaigns than those that aren't powered by influencer content and that is an average and so you have some campaigns that massively overperform we worked with uh, we'll say a luxury beauty brand um, who saw a 90 percent increase in return on ad spend based on shifting their creative from just pure branded creative which was beautiful flat lays and product shots um, to just using creator assets and they saw a 90 percent increase in ROAS mm. and this is also not just meaning their ads are performing better they actually had huge category growth like they saw a, i think it was 131 percent month-on-month growth in a specific product in their line when we right. were running an influencer campaign for them and this is not a cheap beauty brand this is not like a flash in the pan this is a like one of the biggest brands in the world and they saw a huge return to the point that now all of their marketing is focused on using creators in the first instance to power their creative because it is just so much more effective we work with um a number of brands on this and I think it will I think we can talk about this later but we're seeing not just an uplift in terms of the um, the paid social returns and the ROAS there but actually like an indirect um, and more integrated way of running influencer that drives really genuinely meaningful performance and 
it's a it's something that if you consistently run influencer activity you can change the perception of a brand you can make it a cult product um and you only have to look at the likes of as i say the inky list the ordinary those beauty brands i always go back to because they have built themselves on influencer and they're doing that very very profitably and i think that's the the place to be that's the kind of the golden ticket okay um so and i guess on that there's there's a there's a there's a fine line right going back to that creative question between marketer brain labs and and the uh, the, the the um the influencer is if you try to i think marketers not all obviously but some marketers let's say have been guilty perhaps in the in the past of thinking that it's all about their brand and their brand should be front and center and like the worst example of this might be right i want them wearing the cap for the brand and the coat for the brand and then mm -hmm. everything in the background is the brand which clearly isn't going to work because it's going to look contrived but it must be quite hard i would have thought for a marketer to sort of let control go so much um to allow the influencer to be authentic without which it, none of this is going to work and sort of go okay fine let's let's just mm. see what happens it's like do, do you must have some interesting conversations around that surely it was like we can't yeah. we can't let that much control go we just can't it's the <laughs> interesting that way. the interesting thing is it's actually just the insecurity of the marketer yeah. and the brand it's very rarely a i'm i've never known in my entire career an influencer to go so far off script that they've not been able to within two rounds of revisions get it to a place where the marketer's really happy okay um and because they, they get it, right? These people are professionals. They do understand what a brand is looking for and also how to represent the brand. And if you are putting some, if, if I failed in my job, if I put in front of you as a marketer, an influencer that is just completely not gonna align with your brand values. So I will work with you to form a kind of response to your brief that allows us to find the right creator that's gonna fit within your level of tolerance and brand safety and consistency, but then and some brands, for them, it's going to be, okay, I want someone who's the perfect influencer that's super linked to my brand that's not going to put a foot out of line. And then I've also worked with brands where, so I'll give you an example. There's a, a, a brand called Wanna Date, which is a date spread. And we worked with a guy called Two Turn Tony, whose idea was to um, hit a golf ball out of a woman's mouth and then smother himself in date paste. And the client absolutely loved it. And it was one of their most successful ads in their history. My mind's boggling right it's now. It's yeah. weird as it's like the most unhinged piece of content you could even possibly imagine. And it certainly wasn't what I was imagining when I kind of suggested this creator. But I think their their tolerance was extraordinarily high and they just went, look, we want anything that's going to make us relevant. And it did. But then okay. there are some clients who go, we already have the relevance and we're so keen to protect our brand that we want someone who's just going to be able to, you know, put our piece of clothing on and make it look elegant and beautiful mm. and often that's what the audience would be looking for and they wouldn't even mention the brand they just wear it yeah yeah and they say and it's just a, a pay partnership with insert fashion brand it's here. almost product placement more than influencer marketing in, in a way right yeah completely yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean so i always thought and this is quite an old school example now from what we're talking about here but i always thought that there was um brands were missing a trick with coronation street and the rovers <laughs> return people would come in and say a pint of bitter please and you go that's such a waste, you know, like a, a pint of best or a pint of pride, you know, yeah, just yeah. product place yourself, be the beer of the, of the Rover's return. How many times do they talk about it? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, um, it is basically that it's, um, 
looking at how you can integrate your your product into the content that the influencer is already making mm. and people aren't looking to consume something completely out of character for an influencer and they want to be entertained in the same way that they're typically entertained and that's why we look for that consistency and the the genuine influence of a content creator and that's a really difficult thing to capture is how actually influential is this person who makes content all the time how likely are they to convert or drive performance for this brand it's really difficult for us to do it um we've mastered it we've got technology that helps us do it even more effectively but it's a really complex picture that you have to analyze in order to see does this person have a genuine influence over this audience and is it likely to drive performance got it okay so um i had an idea that i had a discussion on linkedin about and i got some feedback um which wasn't all entirely positive but um i thought i was being quite clever and then we had a little chat off air and apparently it's already happening but so i want to explore it more because um, i thought i'd come up with an idea which obviously already exists but it, 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 it was when I was thinking about influencer marketing, I was thinking, okay, so if you look at traditional TV advertising for a start, and you've got someone like um, Melissa McCarthy, that's like the face of booking.com, let's say, mm -hmm. or Kevin Bacon, who's the face of EE, there's obviously a big chunk of change that changes hand in order for that person to be the face of that brand. And, and then it's rolled out in what, you know, straight advertising. Um, and then I was thinking about influencer marketing. I was thinking, well, like I think my favorite creators are probably Dan and Lucy. They, they um, on TikTok, they make me laugh. Um, but um, it, if a brand wants to work with Dan and Lucy, let's say, and they can, and that works well, and then another brand wants to work with them, and then another brand wants to work with them, you kind of lose that exclusivity that you get in TV advertising, mm -hmm. um, where Kevin Bacon's never going to go and do well. Say never say never, but he's not likely anytime soon to suddenly pop up in an O2 ad, is he, or sure. a Vodafone ad? Just wouldn't happen. Um, or any other ad that he might have other categories that he can work in. But he basically, if you think about Kevin Bacon and advertising, you think about EE. So I was thinking then, well, there is a science, of course, to, um, and it's not always known by the creator in advance, but there is a science to what makes a, an influencer take off and grow an audience and yeah. be really good at content. So what if a brand were to find um, somebody who was right at the beginning of their journey and perhaps sort of learning the trade and showed some sort of promise but wasn't quite there yet, gave them the, the funding and the tools and the education to be able to build their audience on a contract that would basically say something along the lines of, we have a four-year contract. Um, we are going to, in that first year, we are going to help you do nothing but create great content that you want to create along certain guidelines. And, you know, you, we, we won't have swearing or we won't talk mm -hmm. about that or whatever it might be. And we're going to grow you an audience. And after that four years, what you do with that audience is you can either renew with us or you can go somewhere else. But don't bring the brand in until the you know, that started to fly a little bit and only, you know, have that influence exclusively for that brand. Mm -hmm. But start with the influencer, completely unbranded, no branding whatsoever, and then grow it towards, um, to, to, you know, towards being the face of that, um, a very organic face of that brand. And now I thought I'd kind of created that, and then you told me that that's already happening. So I'd, I'd love to hear who's doing that well and 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 how. Yeah, it's been happening for a, a long time. I okay, think. I'm so um, out of date. Sorry. No, no, it's, but it's <laughs> but it's actually it's actually interesting because it's not really that well talked about um and for good reason i would imagine yeah, you don't want to say it, oh we're grooming this person to be the next precisely face of Lan. Yeah, yeah precisely yeah. and it, it makes them less less genuine and less authentic and you're anticipating the the branded content coming at some point so yeah. for the audience it's, it's disingenuous as well 
and I think there are brands out there who do this really well. Um, there are brands out there who aren't doing it at all, and that's totally like it's. There is people just not thinking about it because they haven't necessarily integrated influencer into their long term strategy. So the it's only the most sophisticated brands who are doing this right now, and I can tell you a couple that we work with that we're doing something along these lines. Um, and then I can also share a couple of brands that are just really successful in doing this long term. The only caveat I would say is that, yes, you can develop people over a series of years or months or weeks even, um, but it would be a huge investment and a bet that you're placing in order to yeah. do that. The The appeal of the Melissa McCarthy or the Kevin Bacon is they're the they're recognizable and you go what the hell is that person doing on this ad right and that's that's the value you're buying with this influencer concept it does definitely work and it has been done before there's a, a sportswear brand that um like one of the, the the you know the big couple of sportswear brands that we work with um and we have a really successful relationship with them and the program that we have built is essentially finding micro creators who over index on a certain viral trend or sport or conversation so this is a bit of insight as to how i find influencers in the first place and how our team has managed to do it and the technology that we've built to make ourselves more effective is we look for conversations that we say have high gravity now what that might mean is if you are a fashion brand or a sportswear brand let's say and you say hey i want to be relevant to the football community we would never advertise in just football. We would go, which conversations are linked to football that have high gravity, i.e. what is drawing people and other conversations to it. So let's say there's a specific player or a team or a moment in time that's trending within that conversation. We would be able to map that, see what topics are related. And then what you can do using our technology, which we call Bite Sites, is essentially find creators who over-index in engagement and growth when they talk about that thing so let's say okay i found a trend a growing conversation a i can now look at all of the people who've created content in that conversation a and i can see based on their typical growth and engagement rates who is doing better when they talk about that thing a specific example is we were working with a skincare brand to use um collagen as a way of um, making your skin more healthy and it improves the moisture levels in your skin we found a content creator who is a scandinavian home influencer so she does yoga she talks about furniture and furnishings about her home she's like very scandy um, and she posted once about having dry skin we were looking for people with dry skin and we saw that her following spiked and her engagement rates were through the roof when she posted about this one time about um, dry skin so we contacted her and said, look, we'd love to do a brand partnership with you. And she said, I've never done a beauty partnership in my life. I don't know where to start. And we helped her guide that. She got three times more engagement than her average on a branded post on Instagram as a consequence because her audience was self-selecting and the algorithm knew that the audience were interested in her skincare routine because she now has amazing skin. And if you are able to find those people when they're small, partner with them in the long term, that is where you're going to end up with a really strong brand advocate, but also someone that becomes an ambassador. Now, that's fine because she already had an established channel, like she had like tens of thousands of followers, not big, but, you know, getting there. So we placed a bet. She's now huge. Right. Now, there are people who 
we scout that just make cool stuff and we work with this big sportswear brand and we will say to them, hey, can you make a video for your own channel that responds to this conversation because we think you're cool and you make cool stuff? They do it, they test it, and if it works, we would then commission that same influencer to make content for the brand's TikTok channel. So they do the first one for free, basically, just as a test? We pay, no, we'll pay them. Oh, you pay them to do it, okay. So we'll say, you, you're gonna do a branded piece of content for this brand, it's probably not gonna go anywhere, we don't mind, we're just testing the creative with you and see what, how well your followers respond to it, how well the algorithm does, we're just gonna see. So it costs us a couple of hundred dollars. If that works, we would then say, look, we'd love to commission you for five, 10, 20, 100 assets for the branded content page. And anytime we identify a trend or a conversation that we think is relevant to the brand, we have a roster of tiny talent that we can activate really cheaply to create very cool content. And essentially over time, they become associated with the brand, they become more frequently like included within the page. And then it, you become the, maybe the Kevin Bacon or the Melissa McCarthy of insert sportswear brand here. Yeah. And then if you are successful in doing that and people like you and your content consistently performs, we know that these mega sportswear brands are locking athletes into these multi-year huge deals with millions of dollars on the table because they will then only wear their branded jersey or their branded hat or glove or whatever it may be. We do that with the influencers. We will book them once they've proven themselves as effective for this brand, we then book them on a two, three year contract as a brand ambassador in exactly the same way that you would a Colin Kaepernick or a Tiger Woods or someone like that. Yeah. And that means that we have built their star power, we've seen their growth, we've tracked them, we've nurtured them and supported them, given them the tools they need to succeed. And then they only graduate to the next stage of that program when it, they're working. And so it means that at any time we can say, hey, this isn't working anymore, so we'll help you, we'll continue to partner with you on this level, but we're not gonna go any further than this, you're not gonna get to the next stage, so you're either free to go or you can just keep doing what you're doing. And that's really, really effective. There are brands out there, Origins is a great example, they do inc an incredible seeding strategy with like nano influencers, so we're talking a couple of thousand followers, and, um, they will send out product, they'll give them support, guidance, they'll talk about trends and what they're seeing. They have a little community group that they talk in, an Instagram like chat that we ha they have Origins staff talking to them and giving them support feedback and they communicate with each other and engage on each other's posts. So they've built an ecosystem of these tiny creators and they're essentially supporting their growth over time until they're ready to basically become um, kind of brand ambassadors. And that's an incredible program. All really, I remember, like kind of in the early days of influencer marketing, this was like what Misguided and Boohoo were doing, um, where they would send tiny creators like 500 pound gift cards and say, "Go and do your like, go and do a haul, and then wear your wear our clothes in your content." And if you underperformed, they would just eliminate you from the roster. You wouldn't get your voucher anymore. And if you overperformed, you'd get more. Yeah. And it was a brilliant program. And that's actually it's, it was quite pioneering at the time. And it's it's not complicated. It's just a loop of tracking performance of all these influencers over time. And now that is the kind of widely accepted practice for those who maybe can make a, a bigger impact via gifting than they would through, um, you know, the uh, paid influencer aspect. So there's a there's a great ways of doing that approach, but it is something that we've been doing on a, a kind of mega scale um, for a couple of years now and is incredibly, incredibly effective when it's done right. Okay. 
So um, two, two quick fire questions, I suppose. So, so at Six Cells, where um, everything we've done up to the, for the five years we've been going has been organic, and now we're looking at what we're calling organic plus, which is um, creating organic content and then giving it a bit of a boost with paid ads, um, mainly on LinkedIn. But um, but it, it's an interesting 2024 we're going to have. We've tested it a number of times. It, it, we think it allows us to, or allows our clients rather, to self-select the news feeds that they mm -hmm. appear in rather mm -hmm. than um, hope the algorithm does the job for them, yeah. uh, let's say. Um, and I know, um, having seen your article on LinkedIn, that you're thinking of... Um, how our influencer links with a with a different medium altogether with 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 SEO. So, um, to tell us how you came to that sort of realization and and, and what that looks like. We have been preaching about um, influencer plus paid for a long time and like organic plus paid. It, 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 to me, it's a no brainer, um, and I think it was maybe kind of cutting edge for like forward thinking influencer agencies to be talking about this maybe a year, two years ago. Mm -hmm. We were like, that was quite cool. Now I would say that any, if you've got an influencer agency and they're not doing it, they're letting you down. Okay. Um, the biggest thing here is that the platforms, particularly TikTok and any new platform, the way they work is they sucker you in with free reach, right? You go, wow, I get so much engagement on my posts. I get my brand is really succeeding. And then over time, the other players in your market come and they exist and they go, oh, we'd like some of that as they create content. And then you're all fighting for the same slice of the organic pie. Yeah. But there is now more competition for those same amount of views. Yeah. So the platforms go brilliant. Now we get to monetize these brands who've become addicted to the performance of the channel. So LinkedIn did it, Instagram did it, Facebook have done it a long time ago, TikTok is doing it right now, where we're all competing for attention and the only way to do that is with paid. Yeah. The beauty of working with influencers is that it eliminates wastage on your paid enormously because any time a piece of content has gone live on an influencer's page, you're gonna have testing data to understand the performance of that content. So a, an asset that's performed really well organically inevitably is going to be a higher performing yeah. paid asset. Yeah. And we use something that we call the boosting barometer, which is essentially an automated way of assessing influencer activity and then automatically putting paid behind the highest performing assets and then knowing when to stop because it learns that, okay, the organic Diminishing is doing returns is yeah, completely. You're wasting money now. So yeah. the organic is now outperforming the paid and therefore the paid stops and we find another asset to put in its place. And that's a really easy way and a great automation because it means our teams are freed up to do more cool creative stuff. Um, and it means that the, the wastage is zero because we don't have any terrible assets. We've already tested them organically and people have told us, yeah, I like this ad or I don't like this ad, and then it works. Have you seen influencers that have gone down the, the, the organic plus paid route, um, having previously just been organic and then found that when they stop the paid bit, they can't get back to where they were because the, the platform thinks, well, this person's willing to pay. Um, maybe this is my cynical old mind, but I'm thinking, well, if you were willing to pay before, you'd be willing to pay again, so I'm not going to give you as much organic. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily something influencers are really doing for themselves. Mm. Um, one of the really interesting things is I think influencers are really aware of this. So content creators will always, almost, almost always have a problem with just un, um, unadulterated paid behind their own posts. So they'll, when we work with them, we'll do a deal to say, hey, we want the right to promote this post inorganically, i.e. through paid. How do you feel about that? And there's a cost to doing that. So they want a 
an additional fee to license the content to the brand and they also will set generally will set frequency caps so they'll say you cannot show this to someone more than twice because i do not want someone to become tired of my my likeness yeah and that will impact my organic performance so I've, i very rarely see influencers running paid on their own content that's surely not, that's quite quite big influencers are that, that are that savvy though right anyone with an agent now right and most people have agents okay. um i would say it's uh some some creators we would work with them on the basis of hey we'd like you to create a piece of content that doesn't live on your channel and therefore the brand takes the asset and uploads it themselves and promotes it on their own channel and that's fine but anytime we're leveraging a brand like a paid uh, sorry anytime we're leveraging an asset that works for an influencer is being posted by the influencer on their own channel there's almost always a caveat of frequency or and almost always a cost mm. and it's influencers are they're professionals they know what they're doing they want to protect their asset which is their channel and their likeness and their audience and so they're they're not interested in just like letting themselves become a tool for a brand and they are they have as much equity in a partnership as the brand does and probably even more because the risk brands always talk about their own brand safety and actually one of the things that we counsel brands on is what is the implication of this influencer working with you yeah. are they willing to do it to, uh, for beauty brands we've had so many examples of where creators have turned them down because they don't like the ingredients list or right. they don't like the way that it's formulated or it doesn't work for their skin for fashion brands, okay, I don't want to work with fast fashion. I don't want to work with this designer because of this practice that they have. Um, there are so many examples of influencers now, especially the biggest ones, taking their reputation more seriously because they're not after a quick buck anymore because the industry is so sophisticated. If you're not sponsoring an, a brand, a, a, an influencer because you know they're not the right fit for you or you're not, not the right fit for them, there will be a brand that is the right fit that they do want to work with and they're not they're thinking about the longevity of their careers more so than they're thinking about how do i make the next paycheck because these influencers are making serious money now because yeah. they know they have a very serious asset attention yeah mm -hmm. okay and um influencer and seo it's a brilliant brilliant future of the the industry so if, I, if we're saying okay last year 2022 2023 was all about kind of taking the creativity of influencers and combining that with paid this year it's about creating demand through influencer and capturing it through seo this is like the this is the future and i don't think many agencies are doing it at all is that seo within the platform that you see the influencer on so like tiktok search or are we talking Both. seeing it on tiktok and then going to google being... whatever the search behavior of that audience is right increasingly that's tiktok for some platforms but for others it is uh, for some audiences sorry but for others it's still go to google or go and search it later and it really depends on who your audience is and what they're doing what we always build into these kind of campaigns and this strategy, this strategic thinking we're doing around how we combine influencer with SEO is the idea that one, if you have sufficient scale in your influencer campaign, then inevitably you create a demand. If you've been smart enough, yeah, okay, you've got your website and it, you know, it's got some SEO optimizations and maybe you rank on Google in even in first place for your branded keyword, whatever. That's great. But if you are creating a category or building demand for a specific set of tools or a specific set of um, ingredients or a pr any type of 
category level product, then you need to rank for a more generic search term than, hey, I, I make product, I make a widget, and you go and search widget. If you are looking for a thing that does a thing or an ingredient in your skincare rate regime or a particular style or an aesthetic for your fashion, probably your website doesn't always rank top for that. If you can understand where trends are going and act fast enough and then inf influence those conversations, you can even change the language that people use when they talk about a product. Let's look at The Ordinary as a great example. A couple of years ago, no one knew what niacinamide is. And now everyone uses niacinamide like all the time. And it's an in essential ingredient. My girlfriend actually has niacinamide in her um, in her shampoo. I have no idea why. I don't know what it does. Mm. But it's now in her shampoo because it's the, it was a hot keyword. And so people said, yeah, we chuck that in our product as well because it's good for you. Now, if they if there is a link between your influencer campaign and the demand you're creating, especially at a category level, and the SEO that you're doing, you can then win when people start searching for the keywords that you're promoting. So it's about optimizing your content to drive search and driving your SEO to capture that those searches. And also, so if there was a really high demand keyword um, that was really hard to win on, you could essentially, your influencer campaign could say, well, don't search for that. No, not not, not um, overtly, but, yeah. but basically search for this. That's what Precisely. you're looking for. And, so, and then rank well for that keyword. Precisely. Nice. Imagine if you could have a, so, right, we're talking about um, niacinamide. Imagine if I could have a branded version of that word, that chemical, that, mm. pro, that compound, and I can then say, okay, all my influencers are going to be in this conversation about this type of skincare issue or about this particular ingredient, but they're every time they say it they're going to say this thing instead and i've optimized my site for that thing mm. so that's like that's a very linear and very easy to understand process right that's just take a conversation focus on a keyword capture that keyword easy you can then loop that back around to make it slightly some cv ads do this don't they they say search for this yeah. go to google search for this exactly yeah, yeah. and so that's really simple like it's not that's not groundbreaking mm. but what if we could do something more interesting which is we can understand uh, like a great example is bloke core um it's like an aesthetic where people where particularly women are wearing like football shirts and like you know like this what's this like called bloke core bloke core um right. so it's like being a like a bloke down the pub it's like america like imagine a new york a pretty new york girl wearing a you know west ham t-shirt is this like taylor swift wearing the, the american yeah i guess but like more top. like more like british right. inspiration so like Slightly football hooligan-y kind of vibes, oh. like bucket hats and, and football shirts. Stone Island. Sure. Right. Um, and that kind of stuff. Imagine if you could see that coming. There is no... You go to Google three months ago and search for bloke core. There was nothing coming up. There's not, no fashion brands. It was all like articles in Vogue or in you know the, the, the fashion magazines going, what the fuck is bloke core? And then you go, oh shit, I wish we as a brand had captured that. The idea is because we have bite sizing, because we can tell you what's bubbling up on social, you can then go not only optimize your existing site for bloke core, but if you're a fashion brand and the same sportswear brand that we run that creator program with, we also run SEO with them. And we would build a product collection that specifically resolves that demand from the customer. So, okay, you're searching for bloke core because you want bucket hats, football shirts, and tracksuits. Mm. 
we've built a collection of products on the brand's website, on their store, that collates all of the products that are relevant and is highly optimized for that keyword. Yeah. What we saw was pre-optimization, they were, like once we'd done the optimization for this brand, when we compared the revenue from the keyword before the optimization versus after the optimization, they saw a 14 times increase in the revenue from that keyword. Now imagine if you could do that with scale using AI, mm. we can. We have, like we can predict the trend, we can find the products that are relevant because we can watch all the videos automatically, observe what people are uh, putting on, what people, uh, skincare products they're using, what fashion they're going for. And it doesn't matter if it's a core, if it's an aesthetic, if it's a skincare issue, we can just, we can basically digest all of that information, find the optimization for the SEO that's necessary, and then write the content automatically or using our team. This is like a genuine game changer because it yeah. means that we can not just uh, create demand through influencer, but actually absorb existing social demand because we can act faster than anyone else. So you either need money or pace. Those are the two options. Um, and for most brands, especially in this economic climate, pace is the easy one to have um, or easier one to have. And we know that it has enormous implications for commercial success. So this is where the industry is going to go in the next couple of years, because right now it's really hard to do because you need the perfect storm of products, which is one, you don't you can't just be an influencer agency um, and you probably can't just be a social agency because you need to be able to integrate into SEO, not like, hey, we'll send your SEO agency an email once a week yeah, with yeah, a thing. Yeah. It's we need to take live data. Yeah. yeah digest it, understand it, and then write the content so that when this blows up in six days, we're already ranking. The same with, mm -hmm. um, you know- Can you create that trend as, absolutely. as well as, yeah. If you had sufficient scale in your content, then absolutely, we're doing that for a for the luxury beauty brand uh, starting, I think, I don't know what the date is today, the 11th of January or something like that. Yes. Um, so in 14 days, we have a campaign starting to do exactly that and we're going to create a brand new category of skincare and the idea is that that category we will have we've already been researching seo keywords that we want to rank for and every single influencer brief for the next six months features those keywords i love it those keywords will change from day one we know that every other beauty brand is going to go what the hell are they talking about we need to start competing for that and so we've got Will it be a days thing or will it be weeks and months or are we talking days that they'll react to that? I think probably when it gets off the ground, people will go, okay, what is this? And there'll be interest and conversations going on. I think once they realize how much of a bet this is for the brand, they will then go and attack it. And I think that's natural. So we probably have like a week of an advantage to capture the early demand, which is great. And we, because we're creating a category, we can go and essentially become synonymous with that. If I may, I'm going to go on a tangent now go because um, the reason this came about, this strategy came about, is because I was at an offsite with them, um, very nice offsite in Mallorca. I was on a catamaran; it was lovely. Um, Awful job, isn't it? Yeah, terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and I had this idea, like on stage, I was doing a panel, and I had this idea on stage, and I said, "Look, we all associate certain brands with certain things, right?" So I, the parallel that I had was um, Starbucks and Greggs. And you know when autumn is happening because Starbucks launched the pumpkin spice latte. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like that is the moment that autumn has officially arrived and Charlotte's now nodding her head. You've gone, mm mm-hmm, because you know it's true. Like we all wait for those moments. In the UK, Christmas is officially here when Greg's launched the festive bake, right? And there are super fans of those products because they love autumn, they love Christmas, they or just love the festive bake because why- Greg's have got merch. Like I didn't realize this until relatively recently. And people want to look like somebody that works in Greg's and they actually (laughs) pay to do so, it's insane. Incredible. Yeah. And the idea is that Starbucks have created this, this isn't a word, synonymity. uh, They are synonymous with autumn and they have actually created many many years ago a facebook group which shows you how long ago this was called the leaf rakers society and the leaf rakers society is a group that you would not even know is associated with starbucks but it is just people who love autumn so much and it's like these midwest mums in their knitwear holding their mug in Mm -hmm. two hands and talking about pumpkins and like Oh, I love going Charlotte's outdoors. Charlotte's mum, my wife, is a photographer and she loves autumn. It's her favorite season. Yeah, I pe- wonder if she's in that group. We'll I, find you out. should find out. You <laughs> should find out. And I think they have then, what they've done is found these super fans of the season who are almost the key opinion leaders of autumn. And they've made their, they insert their brand into that moment and they leak when the pumpkin spice latte is coming out to that group before anyone else knows. And so that group of, feel special insiders they feel special they're the people who post about it on their own social channels and they're also like the autumn influencers and so starbucks get to concrete their opinion or their kind of brand on that as well it's very cool greg's did an amazing campaign with the festive bake where they took people who had mentioned the festive bake frequently on twitter contacted them and put them into a group whatsapp channel and leaked locations that were launching the festive bake ahead of anyone else so they Mm. could go and get their hands on it. Now, if you can do that at scale and not just in response to an existing kind of relationship with a thing, we can shortcut you. So instead of having to take years of pumpkin spice lattes and like slow marketing, what if we could do that in a period of weeks when a thing is bubbling up on social we have such high frequency so many creative assets so many people talking about your brand that when people say i really care about this skincare issue well, you've already completely nailed it because every time someone searches for it on tiktok they see your videos or an influencer talking about you anytime that they search on google you're already ranking for the keywords that is a huge competitive advantage because you get to own a category from the moment that it starts yeah So if we can just change the language that we use, if we can just start to seed in different aspects of what is going on on social into your broader strategy, that is when we're going to see incredible results. So yeah, influencer plus paid is the default now. If your agency is not doing that, sack them and come work with us. But if you want to be really forward thinking, this is the game changer. Mm -hmm. The only way to do it effectively is through predictive analysis of trends, which we can do because we have bite sites not many agencies out there can do that but we also have the seo integrated into our team and we have tools that allow us to do that faster than anyone else and more scalably that's very very cool um i'm going to come up with another idea now which you'll tell me has been happening for years as well i'm sure but um could you take influencers from a platform like tiktok for example put them on something like um what's that show you watch love island Mm -hmm. and have them use new words like Mencore or whatever you need them to use on a on a on a TV scale as well as online as well and have that all orchestrated around 
what you're talking about and now now we're going to rank for those words before and people are now going to be watching love island going what the nurse men core and you know yeah of course you yeah. Could. if you've got enough money you can do anything yeah um yeah. i think it's a, i think it's a lovely idea like again i think um if you had influencer plus social uh, sorry plus search plus tv or plus an element of yeah. tv completely and i think that creating is, a culture right you're creating a word that people will just start using because they hear it a lot we um often talk about ripples waves and tides in terms of the way that social works and influences culture and it starts with like a little hashtag which we call a ripple so that might be someone says a thing and someone else goes oh that's cool i want to talk about that too and maybe there's a kind of like a, a, a format a sound something on tiktok or instagram or youtube that people start talking about and when you get enough people talking about those things and an ecosystem of conversation happens around it, it becomes a wave. And that wave is generally when people, the most forward thinking brands are starting to kind of understand what's going on. I always use Hot Girl Summer as like a great example of this as it started as like a little hashtag where people were using a, a like a, a format to basically show off what they did in the summer or what they were planning to do in the summer. And then Too Faced came out with the Hot Girl Summer palette uh, Boohoo had a swimwear collection called Hot Girl, Hot Girl Summer, which is really clever. They were just listening to what was happening on social. By the time they'd come up with these lines, ma bear in mind this was like a massive trend. So they maybe were they captured it early because they were faster with their new product development or mm. marketing. Um, but imagine if you were able to do that from day one and become the brand that was in the yeah. like voice of Hot Girl Summer, and then that wave where it was both. A conversation for young people and brands were participating and it was kind of emerging as this conversation that then became part of culture where it isn't just a trend that we saw on instagram it's actually something that we talk about all the time and it's like a it's hot girl this or clean girl that or there are now like the girl trend is mm. now actually just part of culture and it's part of people's identity and the way that they intend to live a certain season or a, a certain t period of their lives or whatever it may be. And again, if you can intercept the ripples, you can own the tide. And that's the difference is we, a lot of brands just play in like, oh, this is a big deal. We should go over here and do this thing. And you're just another voice. If you're playing in the waves, you're probably winning and capturing like the demand and if you faster than any other brand, well done to you. But imagine if you could own it. Imagine if you were the brand that uh, that owned Autumn. Yeah. Imagine you're the brand that owns Christmas. Like it's incredible. And it used to take eight years. Today it takes eight days. Like this is the pace. So John Lewis, you you mentioned the the um, the bake um, the the festive bake at Greg's. But John Lewis is uh, in our industry is widely lauded as the start of Christmas, right? Sure. So if they had that. Um, I don't know, was it a Venus flytrap? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember what name it was in, in, in uh, their ad this year. They could get the name of that. I can't, was it, did it have a name? I have no idea. No, let's, call, let's say it was Clarence. I don't know why I'm <laughs> going to say that, but let's say it was called Clarence. They could get Clarence. They could basically create through influencers Clarence demeanor thing and then launch the, the at Christmas ad, at which point only everyone's already talking about Clarence and has a meaning attached to it. Yeah, yeah. If you, um, yeah, if you created... Uh, an aesthetic for your brand or if you created a personality for a character and all of these yeah. kinds of things yeah of course yeah. again anything's possible with the budget yeah and it's about using the right influencers with the right audience that are going to really respond to it and again the only way to make that successful is not going how do we retrofit influencer into our christmas ad or into our big tv spot but going we are going to do a major scale campaign here 
influencer is going to sit at the heart of it and how do we make a tv commercial that fits into that broader strategy because what i don't i never preach for do an influencer strategy and then fit everything else into it because that was the problem we had with influencer marketing a while ago was we had a tv strategy or a print strategy and we fit x into it after the fact Mm. retrofitting doesn't work and you need to have a integrated strategic thinking when it comes to your media planning and buying and also your creative direction for a campaign that's the only way do you way think to that's a work. problem with the way that traditional media agencies are set up these days um i've been talking to people recently about omni-channel marketing and um when I, when I think about the way that media agencies are set up you have a tv department and you have a digital department mm -hmm. and you have a planning department and you have this department and you have that department does that maybe stand in the way of that integrating th integrated thinking you're thinking about I, I i suppose that somebody in an agency listening to that would be banging on the table and as well we have comms planning for that and we can mm -hmm. you know it's 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 fine but but having i mean even media and creative um which i've banged on about a lot um over the years like separating you're obviously a, a lot younger than me but it used to be that media and creative were all in the same agency all working together yeah. all doing the same work and now obviously media and creative agencies are different different parts of town so uh, i'm just wondering if in f for integration to work f to truly work there needs to be people from all disciplines around the table at every stage thinking about every touch point yeah it's it so look i always think it's funny that the agencies talk about omni-channel marketing as if it's this like really amazing thing it's like that's the whole point of hiring a media agency is that they can do everything and mm. that they'll buy it all for you and it's properly integrated. And there's a lot of shitty media agencies out there who you work with because you don't get fired for hiring the big boy. It's like no one got fired for hiring IBM. No one ever got fired for hiring a Holdco, right? Mm. Like it's the same thing, but with a different person and a different label and a cool piece of technology that doesn't exist. That's generally what you're buying when you work with a massive media agency. And I'm so bullish on like Brain Labs being special because it is genuinely integrated and because we have built technology that actually fuses the things together it's not like oh joe will go and talk to sarah this is no we actually have a team that does all of these things and you have specific product experts who can program ads better than anyone else who understand the, the nuances of the platforms and you do need that and the media agencies are very good at that but generally what we need to be better at as marketers is thinking more into in a more integrated way mm -hmm. there is no alternative but to be omni-channel because if you're just planning a campaign for influencer in isolation then you're not capturing all of the potential demand it's actually insane and you might end up to use your terms you might end up with a really exciting ripple but you can't really it take it anywhere, anywhere because it's mm. it's confined to one platform or completely one, yeah, one. completely you're just you're creating again it's Every agency will go through this thinking cycle. It starts with, okay, we just set up around our clients and we all learn all of the different products and we blend a biddable person with a creative person with, and we ha have like 10 different disciplines all sitting around one client. And then you go, wow, this is amazing, but oh, we're not sharing learnings enough. We're not getting enough scale. We're not effective on all of the platforms as much as we could be. And so then the agency maybe goes through a conversation where they say, should we split into functional organization rather than client organization? And then you do that. And then clients benefit less from the integration of those things. Mm. And it is 
how do you set up an agency? I'm not an agency CEO and I don't particularly want to be because I think that's one of the questions that they will always be thinking about and that no one has ever been able to solve because there are two very distinct advantages mm. and it depends how your business is set up and what your clients desire. Back, going back a long time now, when I worked at The Telegraph, we introduced a hub and spoke system, which um, we had, uh, it used to be that the press team sat over there, the digital team sat over there, um, the, the creative team, uh, which was our version of integrated, I suppose, across the Telegraph touch points. Um, and then we moved to a situation where we'd have a, um, a circular desk and then we'd have somebody from each discipline around each table. So if you're working on Mediacom, you'd have a team of people across press, digital, video, mobile, you know, mm -hmm. like, and so mm -hmm. it, it, it was quite nice. But I think you're right, you, you lose all of the mobile learnings that happen by working on loads of mobile of stuff you if you're just sat on working only on one or two. So I think mm -hmm. you need, you kind of, it needs to be hybrid, right? It needs to be sit around, like sit in client groups, but then also have breakout meetings where you go and sit in a mobile like group yeah, yeah. And, or, a, or a video group or a TV group or whatever it might be. So you get the, you immerse in everything the agency's doing around TV, but also you get to then go back to your client groups and bring that back and bring Completely. that to the table. Yeah, that's the same model that Brain Labs has is we organize ourselves into client hives. So you have experts from every specialism serving specific groups of clients. That's I feel like I keep coming up with ideas and you've already done them. <laughs> I, I, get, I don't know how many original ideas there are left in marketing. No, it's like, unless someone builds something brand new. like I like that, though. I like that. I think, oh, that's a good idea. It's already been done and it is working. So, like so it is yeah, a good, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. a good idea. It's yeah. just uh, no one had told just you about it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just no one had told you about it. Yeah, yeah. But I think like, so we set ourselves up in client-centric hives because we think that's the best way to serve a client. But we have what we call communities where they're led by a product leader. So for instance, I'm the influencer product leader. So my job is to understand what's going on across all of our clients who need influencer or are currently buying influencer from us. Understand best practice, what's going on in the different countries and regions, how we're serving clients, where we've seen advantages or disadvantages, compile all of those learnings and share it across everyone in the business, whether you're an influencer specialist or in some other team. We look at things of, because we're a multi-service multi agency, a huge part of my job is to think about things like influencer plus paid, influencer plus SEO, influencer plus X. Mm. The whole idea is that we need to be more integrated and we recognize that as a macro trend across every marketing discipline. This isn't just influencer should be integrated into these things. It's paid should be integrated into SEO. It's just those ones have kind of already been done influence is one of the last ones to go there and we're just looking at ways we can make those product integrations really seamless for clients and to create genuine competitive advantage because if we can do that before every other agency it means our clients get to do it before every other client and that's the reason we're doing it not because we particularly like anyone wants to be plaudited for you know you know like oh we came up with this thing first no one cares all we care about is did our clients win and if they win then they'll stay with us and other clients will want to join us and we get to grow as an agency yeah that's the whole point of this and so but the reason i'm paid money and the reason i have a job is to work out how we can create advantage for our clients through influencer i think we have an amazing idea for like the next year we have other things in the pipeline that we're working on to get us to you know five years ahead of everyone else and I think that's where the market is going like we we're seeing the mid market of the influencer space completely disappear because those agencies are neither expert in a really specific audience and so they don't need technology because they can just tell you instinctively because they are the audience 
they're a gaming agency, a sports agency, yeah, go and work with them because they're really cool and tiny and boutique and they'll serve you incredibly well. And then the big boys, the top of the top of the market have incredible tech, incredible talent, and they've absorbed so much that they can buy at scale and optimize your campaigns for you. So there's a different advantage there. The people who are gonna have trouble is the mid market because they probably can't build technology fast enough and there's too big to be boutique and therefore truly understand what's going on because they've grown too much. And so I think what we'll see is a complete polarization of the of the space. And that's actually what we see in most media agencies. There's, there's not many small or like kind of, there's not many uh, mid-market media agencies out there. It's high-end, big hold codes and big, big independents like Brain Labs versus these tiny boutiques, which are basically consultancies with really smart five people in them that will work with one or two incredible clients. Mm -hmm but the mid-market doesn't exist, and that's the way the influence is going to go as well. Excellent. Um, one hour, coming up on one hour, 20 minutes, one of my longer uh, episodes. Sorry. And to be honest, no, don't be, please don't be sorry. I'm just thinking how much further can we go because um, there's so much more I'd like to talk to you about. Um, can I put you on the spot and say, will you come back on the podcast at a later date this year? Yeah, why not? Um, it's, it's been a really fascinating conversation, and I've learned a lot, which um, is always nice. Um, and I found out that a lot of my ideas weren't actually my ideas. They <laughs> happened ages ago, but that's also good. That's no, no problem with that. Uh, Tom, thanks very much for being on, on the Success podcast. I've, had, I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much.